Welcome to the Jackson Hole Report Podcast, your guide to all things real estate in beautiful Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole is our little slice of heaven, and it's no surprise that real estate here is booming. There's so much information out there, but with our combined 65 years of experience, we are here to discuss and dissect Jackson's real estate market so you don't have to. Join us for a little education, useful tips, and advice on how to buy and sell in this wonderful place we call home. Hey, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome. Uh, We hope you're enjoying the first few months of the new year. It's been a crazy start for us. Real estate here is still breaking records and we've been getting a lot of questions on ways to get creative with your assets. Uh, So today we have a very special guest who will dig into a topic that is still hard for me to personally wrap my head around, Mm -hmm. 1031 exchanges. Um, Nancy Hughes is here and she is the vice president of IPX here in Jackson. It's a company that specializes in investment property exchange services, and I'm so excited for her to shed some light on 1031 exchanges and how she helps find solutions for buyers every day. So welcome, Nancy. Yes, Really happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. The Nancy Hughes. Mm -hmm. This is not your first gig that you've had, right? This is not my first real estate rodeo gig. No, it is not. Tell us about what you did before, before you... Yeah, decided to asking. do this. Yeah, so for <laughs> almost three decades in Jackson Hole, I had founded and then ran uh, the then leading title company in the Valley. So I love real estate. I love real estate deals. I love solving problems. And I retired from that a couple of years ago and I really missed it. Who knew, right? Like there's days where you dream, like if I can just stop this rat race, can I get, can I get off? <laughs> right. And I got off and I didn't like being off. Let oh, me back on. <laughs> Let me back on. So um, there was an opportunity, um, as we all know, the beloved Frank has cue the angel choir yeah. singing right there, mm-hmm. um, who used to run basically the 1031 business in the Valley. And Frank retired and I sensed an opportunity to get to get back into the game that I love so much. So I've been doing 1031 exchanges um, with IPX for the past year almost, and it's been great. So you said you have questions. Hopefully I have answers. Yes, we do. <laughs> so for those of our listeners that have never even heard of a 1031 before, like tell us what in the world it is. Yeah, so 1031 refers to section 1031 of the Internal Revenue Code that allows owners of investment real estate to sell that property and then use all of their equity to buy new investment property as opposed to using after-tax dollars to buy the new property. So let me give you an example. So say I owned, say I own a condo at a Teton Village and I've owned it forever. I bought it back in the day. I paid next to nothing for it. I've been renting it for 20 years or 25 years. I've depreciated it. I have like no basis in it. And for example, let's just say we're selling it for a million bucks now. If I don't do it, yeah, can I find Wait, can I find there? there? Condos at the village Call for Devin, she has condos for a million dollars. It's just easy math for I me. Know. That's why we're gonna use a million dollars. But say if I if I do not utilize a 1031 exchange, I'm gonna pay capital gains taxes on that. Since my basis is, we're saying in this instance, basically zero, 
I'm going to pay taxes on that entire million dollars. Now, your tax rate's going to vary, right? Depending on your situation, you'd have to talk to your CPA to know exactly what you're going to pay. But let's be conservative and say here 25%, right? So if I sell it, I pay capital gains of 25%. I have $750,000 left to buy new investment property. If However, I do a 1031 exchange, I can use that entire million dollars to go into my next investment property, right? So it increases wow. my buying power. Big time. Big time. Big time. <laughs> right. So you're just avoiding the tax for a certain amount of time. You're not totally getting out of right. it, right? It's not a get out of jail free card. Oh, it is God. called a, I know, wouldn't that be? <laughs> well, there is one escape hatch, but you're not gonna like it. But yes, it's called a deferred exchange. So you were deferring your capital gains taxes each time you sell. So if I sell that condo, I buy other qualifying property and I keep exchanging, right? I'm gonna defer those taxes. But if I get to the end of the road and decide, you know, I'm done, I'm gonna cash out, I don't wanna own any more investment property, those deferred taxes will come due. The escape hatch <laughs> is death. I was just wondering like actual physical death. If I exchange death. till I die, will my family have to pay the taxes? No, if you then? swap till you drop, then those taxes <laughs> do not become you due. Drop. So <laughs> that is, and but the majority of people do end up paying the taxes, mm -hmm. and it works because in the meantime, it's almost like a free loan, right? Yeah, I've mm -hmm. got more money to yeah. utilize to get myself into better producing, income producing property, right? I can get higher and better value property. But yeah, at the end, most 80, 85% of the people end up paying those deferred taxes, but there is a good chunk of people who utilize as part of their estate planning strategy to keep exchanging and die possessed of that last property. Mm -hmm. Oh man. It's a great way I to upgrade. I think that's what we should name this podcast is Swap Till You Drop. Swap Till You Drop. <laughs> that's the name. So other than the obvious tax benefits, are there any other reasons that people would do a, an exchange? There are, and I think that's a great question because I almost feel like that should be more of the focus. I think mm. most of the people I talk to, it's all about, I don't want to pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to pay taxes to the federal government. No. And that seems to be people's driving motivation. But it seems to me that business reasons should always be the driving factor behind, behind doing a 1031. Mm -hmm. And there's so many reasons why someone might want to do a 1031. You might want to diversify or consolidate. So, for example, say I own um, three rental condos and I'm just absolutely sick to death of managing all my tenants, right, which I hear from people a lot, mm -hmm. and dealing with the repairs. So I might want to consolidate and sell those three rental condos and do one single family house that I'm going to VRBO instead of long term, gotcha. instead of long term on the rental condos. Or I could have a situation where I need some cash flow, I've got some raw land, it's not producing any income for me, I'm going to 1031 my raw land into some income producing property. I think that's one a lot of people, I hear this a lot, they get stuck on, they don't understand because they hear the word like kind exchange, so they think it has to be a condo for a condo or vacant land for vacant land, but that is not the case, that correct? That is not true. That is one of the most common misperceptions. I think the number one most common misperception is like kind. And I think that is a holdover from back in the day when you used to be able to exchange non-real property. So you used to be able to exchange artwork, boats, airplanes, all sorts of things. And so like kind meant real estate for real estate, 
but I hear this a lot, even from people's CPAs mm-hmm. that are told, I'm selling a threeplex, I have to buy a threeplex. Yeah. I'm selling a single family, I have to buy a single family. And that is not the case. So basically, anything that's considered real property, any real estate qualifies. It's the use of that property that's going to determine whether it's a qualifying purpose. So the IRS says to qualify, it has to be held for productive use in the taxpayer's trade or business or for investment. Yeah, what is that? I mean, I don't even know what you just said. (laughs) Let's break it it down. And again, the word investment becomes a little tricky, right? Because people think, well, it's an investment property. I bought it hoping it will appreciate. So when people term that as an investment, that's not what the IRS is talking about. They're really talking about productive property or property used in business. So, you know, vacant land is kind of the outlier. We'll kind of talk about that separately. But any rental, whether it's um, commercial residential, single family or condo will qualify. Industrial property, resident or office property, um, farm or ranch property, ag land, right? So anything that's essentially producing income or used in your business. So say I own a, well, say I'm running a, I'm running a title company, saying we're running a real estate company, I own an office, right? I, or I'm, 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 I own a carpet laying business, I need a warehouse, right? So property used for my business or trade will qualify. What about if I have a home office? Well, <laughs> we know you're all thinking that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all work at home. So now. there are ways. So there is such a thing as doing exchanges with mixed use properties. Oh, no yes, you can do a mixed use. So here's a great example. I am doing an exchange for somebody out of state, and they're selling property, and they want to buy a property that has it has a primary residence on it. But it also has a warehouse on it. Ah. And they own, that's my carpet laying business. These people own a flooring business and they need a warehouse for their flooring business. So they're going to do an allocation, right, of the property. So a certain percentage of the property they're buying is allocated to primary, which does not qualify for a 1031. Mm -hmm. But a certain part is going to be allocated as the investment portion of the property so they can exchange so again let's use our million dollars because we don't want to have to hurt our brains i don't want to have to get my calculator (laughs) we don't want to have to do math um say six hundred thousand dollars worth of the property is allocated to the primary or sixty percent and forty percent towards the investment in that case four hundred thousand dollars of their million dollar purchase they can use exchange proceeds from the sale of something else to buy that investment portion of the property only. So there can be a mixed use. I had no idea yeah. that there I know. was that mixed so use option. Yeah. So I think there's a there's a lot more creative strategies that can mm-hmm. be employed as well. Mm-hmm. So mixed use being one of them for sure. So we talked about um, one misconception that it has to be like a condo for a condo. Are there mm-hmm. any other things that you hear a lot that people should be put on their radar that you actually could do an exchange? Um, yes, that you could, um, or another misconception. Let's talk about misconception. Well, we could go, here's another one. So another one that really is, is, um, we talked that you can't do a primary residence or a second home. So it cannot Mm -hmm. be for personal use. Mm -hmm. That's excluded from qualifying 1031 property. But there is a creative way that you can do that. It just involves a lot of pre-planning and timing. Mm. So... 
say you want to buy a vacation home in Jackson Hole. So this could work for you if you have a client who wants to do this, but they have, right, they want to buy their dream home and they're selling something somewhere else that does qualify. They're selling some, you know, investment property in California. They want to buy their dream home here. They can't do it, right? But they can if they buy it here using exchange funds, rent it for two years, limit their personal use of the property for two years and then after that two-year period because there has been an irs ruling on this then they can Mm -hmm. convert that property to personal use that's amazing so yes how how long can they personally use it per year so say you wait two years excellent question so it is 14 no more than 14 days or 10 percent of the amount of days it's rented so if i rent it 200 days I could stay here 20 days. So you can mm-hmm. still, how, how many people use their second homes more than that anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably not many. So if they have it VRBO'd or short-term rental somehow, as long as they're really tracking those days and can you know document that, they can stay up to 10% of the amount of time that they've rented it. And then after two years, it can become their their second home, their personal use property, That's and that a can great work. Deal. In, and that can and work the, in reverse. Their property is just appreciating because it's Jackson. <laughs> so in the meantime, yeah, mm-hmm. and they can and they can do it in reverse too. You can sell um, your primary. You just need to convert it to rental for a couple of years. So explain that term to me because I hear that a lot. I'm going to do a reverse 1031, Nancy, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to call you until after I sell my place. Oh, that was one of my other misconceptions. Oh, okay. I jumped on that one for you. We're going to unpack that, as I say. We have, okay. two, we have two issues there. We have reverse issue, and then we have kind of another timing issue. So from a timing standpoint, you can't unring the bell. Once you've already closed, it's too late to set up an exchange. And I have literally had grown men in tears over this issue <laughs> i had a poor guy call me and he'd sold a hotel back east oh no and then of course it's oh. always like your brother-in-law or somebody at a cocktail party says it. hey man you should have done a 10 30 exchange right <laughs> so they call me and it's like oh it's too I'm late so like i could have helped you before the sale but it's too late now yeah. um and the guy's like oh, i've got you know half a million dollars in taxes Sorry, too little, so too late. Yeah, so you really, I mean, that's going to be one of our takeaways once we kind of wrap this up. It's mm-hmm. like, if you have any question, and for your realtor, like the people in your office, any realtors you talk to, you know, if you know somebody's selling property that just might possibly qualify, ding, 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 have them check with their tax advisor, have mm-hmm. them then call me, and let's see if we can help them out with that. So that's that's a big issue on time. Okay. Call Nancy first. So call reverse me. doesn't really mean what you think it means, people. <laughs> you think reverse means do it after you uh-huh. yeah. I hear a lot of people say that. That's what they think. See, I did yeah. not know that one. That people think reverse means I can kind of yeah. back into it after I've closed. Okay, uh-huh. so what reverse actually means... So we talk about the property you sell is your relinquished property and the pop- property you buy is your replacement property. So a reverse is buying the replacement property, buying the new property before you sell the relinquished property, the old property. It gets a little tricky, right? Because how do you do it if I don't have the money from my sale yet? How right. do I buy mm-hmm. this new property? Um, and there are some ways to do that. Some lenders will loan on it. A lot of lenders aren't real fans of doing that. Definitely not a secondary market lender. Mm. Maybe a community lender can kind of hold that in-house because it's short term. You still have a time frame to complete the exchange. We've got to talk about that too. But um, 
ideally, if somebody has the wherewithal, if they've got the cash to take it down first. That's kind of how they do it. Maybe they can borrow against another property they've got, right, to well, get the money to buy this because you're going to pay it back fairly short term once you sell your other property. Right, mm -hmm. and in a market like it is here and a lot of other places, people don't want to let go of what they have till they find somewhere else to use, right? right? But now, so we're seeing a major uptick in reverses, and that's because the market being so tight. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest issues we're seeing right now where an exchange fails is people can't find replacement property. Right. They can't mm -hmm. get property under contract. So I have had situations lately. Especially if inventory like in Jackson is so it's low. so mm -hmm. tight, mm -hmm. right? And you've got a very limited time frame that you have to get your exchange completed. So I am seeing people, they don't care if it's more complicated, it's a little bit more costly to do it. I don't wanna lose that property. I'm gonna buy my replacement property first get that under contract, get that closed, and then sell my other property. And they're pretty confident, being a seller's market, that they can get their other property sold. So that mm -hmm. is, you know, when you're gonna do a reverse, that's mm -hmm. a good example. Um, if people call me about a reverse, you know, I've had some where people have both properties under contract. They just got the dates, you know, like they got <laughs> the one they're buying is first. I'm like, can you maybe negotiate to push that one back or move the other one forward? You know, can you work your dates so you don't have to do a reverse? Right. But right now, one of the most compelling reasons is because they want to lock down that replacement property. That makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah, it's yeah. worth it. If you can get your exchange done and save that much in taxes, it's totally worth it. Um, so let's talk about timing. We talked yes. about timing a little bit. Okay. So. There are specific days that right. you have to get this accomplished in. And this is where your good realtor comes in handy because you do have a very, very set time frame with no flexibility from the IRS. So after you close your old property, the relinquished property, you have 45 days to formally identify the property you want to buy. And there's an identification form and it's very specific. It's not calling me on the phone. It's not telling Devin. <laughs> it's a form that has to be filled out. Is there a limit on how many you can identify? You know all these. Good I actually questions. don't. You know I actually things. don't. It's, so this is this is. This, I yes. feel like it might be three, but I can't totally exactly remember. Right. <laughs> and there's, so there are two primary rules. Okay. There's another rule, but it doesn't come into play much. So there's two primary rules we're dealing with. So you can identify up to three properties. Okay. If you want to identify more than three, it's called the two hundred percent rule. So let's go back to my million dollar example. I can identify as many properties I want. They cannot exceed in the aggregate more than $2 million in value. Okay. Right? So that's got how, it. if so, if somebody's kind of at that point, then we've got to get the values and get them under that 200% That makes sense. But the trick is this. You identify your properties by the end of the 45 days. You've got 180 days to close. And those run simultaneously. So the... 180, if, if you're counting them sequentially, it's 45 and then 135 more days. So it's after the day of closing, 45 and 180 start running. Okay. I have to close on property I've identified. So I fill up my identification form. The deal falls through or I don't get any of them under contract. My exchange has just failed, right? So you've mm -hmm. that, that 45, so that 180... Oh, I got six months, more or less. That's If great. something else better mm -hmm. comes along, yeah. I can switch to that, but you and cannot. you cannot. So you got to go with your list. The 45 days is key. And okay. what, mm -hmm. what I tell people is it's not a wish list. 
You're not looking at Zillow. You're not seeing an ad in the paper and writing down some stuff you kind of want to buy. You're working with a realtor, ideally getting something under contract. And that's what you're going to identify on that form, right? You can go under contract during that first 45 days. You could go under contract and close sooner. Absolutely. That's just the maximum Mm -hmm. amount of time you have. I mean, you can close the same day and that's called a simultaneous exchange most people do what we call the delayed where you close and then you've got that 45 days to identify and 180 days to close so that's a delayed that's the most common type of exchange but if you have both under contract in theory you can close them same day okay got it any other important dates no pressure on the realtor there to get that stuff under contract (laughs) in 45 days it just sounds stressful so i mean but that's why you know, you hire Nancy. Exactly. (laughs) So they hire a good realtor and a good 1031 person. And always, always, I mean, tax advice comes from your CPA. Yes. It does not come from your Mm -hmm. realtor. It does not come from me as your exchange agent. No. We're here, we're here to help accommodate and hope, hope, hope you comply with the IRS regulations, but people really need tax advice. Yeah. I can't emphasize that enough. How many people don't talk to their CPAs? Mm-hmm. Our job so as a realtor is to have a little light bulb go off that go. says, this might qualify for some sort of tax benefit. Mm-hmm. And then our job is to call the experts. We are not the experts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Absolutely. you're talking to a realtor that says they're the expert, you, I'd like to know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this isn't just for like big wig investors, anything like that. I mean, I think this is this could be really good for locals who are looking to upgrade to or that might have vacant land that they can't build on right now. Absolutely. Right? And I think it's a great tool. You know, our market right now is a little weird, so it's hard to imagine how mm-hmm. it kind of can work. But to your point, it's it really can help that little guy who kind of somehow got into the stream. They got their first property. Every little bit makes a difference. They're not they're not money bags with a bunch of money who's sitting around who can just get the next property whenever they want. Like no. you need every mm-hmm. penny at your disposal to try to stretch into the next property, right? So if it's a qualifying property, you really need to have all that money as opposed to paying the taxes. You want to pull all that equity out to roll over. You know, it's almost exchange. I think people think more just kind of a trade. Mm -hmm. It's almost a little bit of a misnomer. In my mind, sometimes I think it kind of a rollover. I'm just rolling it over. I'm rolling it over into that next property. So I think your point is excellent that the little guy can really benefit from it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you talked about this a little bit earlier, but we've seen a lot of people that bought a vacant lot here in the 90s, early 90s. They maybe paid $50,000 for it, 100,000, some of them, for pretty nice lots, and now all of a sudden they're worth two and three million dollars. Construction costs are about a thousand bucks a square foot to start now. You can do it for less if you really work hard, but that's an average Absolutely. number. So mm-hmm. they can't afford to build on it and their land is just sitting there not making them any money. So we've actually had clients who sell their land and then they get a condo and it doesn't have to be in Jackson. This is where I'm going with my right, point, right? right? Like it can be anywhere, anywhere. in the country. Okay. Absolutely. Cause we're dealing with, you know, this is not a state issue. This is a federal tax code oh, issue that we're dealing with. So yeah, they can great. exchange into any state. So if I want to and sell then, my vacant lot in Jackson for that I've never done anything with for three million bucks and go buy a strip mall in Texas, <laughs> I can do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> you gonna do that? What's gonna be you in the strip mall? You can get a mansion mall? down I mean, there. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you. <laughs> 
going to be a wine store for sure. There's actually a wine store in this Wine mall. store, massage parlor. <laughs> 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 shop. Or say it's a triplex. Yeah. They're going to live in one unit and mm-hmm. rent two of the units, right? And so we can get back to that allocation. So, you know, oh, just kind of be yeah. thinking about some of the, or they want their dream home. They can rent it for a couple years and then convert it to their dream home. So okay. lots of options for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great example. That's, that's you're probably seeing all too often now here. So if it was a triplex, so say you have a, a home out here with an ARU, yeah. is that completely different? Or an ARU is, you know, it's it's a standalone. Accessory residential yes. unit, right? Standalone um, like rental. Yes, so it can work. This is where, I think we'd want somebody's tax advisor involved because mm-hmm. say I have an ARU, well, am I renting it? Am I declaring the rental income? Mm-hmm. Have I been depreciating a portion of my property? You know, right, you, know, like, you get it. into, so like I, I take calls from people all the time and I'll be, and my first question, cause they're like, hey, I want to do a 1031. My brother-in-law said I should do one. Great, <laughs> tell me about your property. And as they're talking to me, it's pretty obvious it's their primary yeah. residence. Like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, have you rented it at all? And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, you know, unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That's not going to work. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, actually, I kind of totally rent it. And it's like. Mm, but I yeah. get it in cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't tell anyone. Tell it to the IRS. That's between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's another kind of good example is, you know, I, I try to quote unquote vet people and make sure that. Mm-hmm. That it appears that what they want to do qualifies. They right. always need to talk to their tax advisor. I mean, if something clearly doesn't qualify, that's going to be an issue. But there's sometimes, sometimes there may be a little bit of a gray area or their CPA has an interpretation. You know, I'm not the tax police. I'm not the IRS, right? So, you know, if their tax advisor says, you know, I feel good about this for this reason, I can defend this. Mm-hmm. Like, he, here's a good example. He bought this with the full-on intention of renting it, but COVID hit, and we weren't able to rent the property for, you know, this happened and that happened. And so the property's just been kind of sitting there fallow, and I feel good about using this for a 1031 because they haven't been living there, and that was their intention. It wasn't really just for gain. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. if a CPA says, sends an email or puts in writing that they're okay, we can do that exchange. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, So there's a lot of very... um, bright lines on mm-hmm. some of this stuff and then there's a few fuzzy lines you know right. there's things where the irs has, has has had rulings and so it's like like the two-year thing and that's mm-hmm. clear yes yeah, so we know if this is how you want to buy your dream home this is how you do it because we have an irs ruling you know there's case law there's rulings not in every circumstance and that's when we're going to say you really need to have your cpa weigh in on this and tell us if they're comfortable you moving forward i do mm-hmm. have a question that I really don't know the answer to. Oh, I do. <laughs> We're gonna test her now, everyone. Oh, jeez. So you said you mentioned how you can purchase a property, rent it for two years, and then you can potentially make it your primary residence mm. if all the stars align. Right. Is there a way to do that the other way around? Like I've been living in my house forever. I'm ready to retire and move out of Jackson, but I have all this equity now, and I do not want to pay taxes on it. You can do it in reverse, yes. So, so how, you how can, long do I have to? I have, an, I have a really cool thing. Ooh. I've got a creative thing here. <laughs> so do you know the sections, we all know about the exclusion of gain on our primary resident. That residence, right. that's section 121. So it's 250 for single, 500 for a couple. There's a way to combine 121 and 1031. Because, no way. Yeah. <laughs> all of us nerds in the world just got excited. <laughs> 
you, you just got a nerd boner. I love yeah, seeing boner on a podcast. You can say whatever you want. I mean, you're Nancy. You kind of have to. Say yeah. So the 121 says you have to, it has to have been your primary for two out of the past five years. It's not just the last two years, it's two out of the past. Uh -huh. You see where I'm going okay. with this, okay. right? Mm -hmm. So say you bought the property, you've had it forever, and you lived in it forever, but two, two and a half years ago, you moved out and you've been renting it. Right. See where I'm going here? Thick so, the snow. I had right, I'm going to go live in Arizona. Yeah. I'm going to do, but so I've rented it for a couple of years, but now the market's crazy. It's like, so mm -hmm. if it's a married couple, they can claim the 121, they can exclude the first $500,000 of the gain, essentially take that out. Wow. And 1031 Whoa. the rest. I had no idea. That's Isn't big. that the coolest thing ever? Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's I my do mind. learn that, something new every day. I that tell is that my mic people. drop. We have to end now. Are we done? <laughs> it's not going to get any better than that. I think but that is a really good strategy. So if, again, okay. that's where the ding, ding, ding. If you have a customer mm -hmm. kind of in those situations. And if somebody's thinking about it, then you can be like, hey, with a little planning. Right. Right. We've got mm -hmm. time now. You can You can set this up. That's, I think at the end, you're going to say this probably. Plan ahead. Yes. Don't wait till you're ready to sell your house or mm -hmm. you're ready to buy something else. Plan ahead, people. Plan ahead mm -hmm. because it gives you more options, kind of like everything in life, mm -hmm. right? The, you wait till the last minute, a lot of your options are foreclosed. So right. plan. Talk to your CPA. I'm going to say that one until I'm blue in your face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, and we're going to talk to you now. We're going to call you first call thing. Me. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about. <laughs> tell oh, me what yeah. you think we can do for this person. So explain to us. There's a lot of people that do 1031 exchanges, right? Like I hear, oh, I do them now too. I can handle that for you. I can handle you. that for you. Um, you're a qualified intermediary. What? So explain why that even matters and why it's important. So here's why it matters. And I don't want to scare anybody, but what scared me <laughs> a little bit. So when I wanted to get into the 1031 business, because I've just it's so close to what I did. I always thought 1031s are fascinating. I personally had done 1031s as I was buying and investing for years. And as I kind of looked into it, what I soon found out, it is a completely unregulated industry. So anybody in a trust account can say, hey, I'm a 1031 agent, send me your money. How scary Whoa. is that, right? How absolutely frightening is that? Literally any dude in a trust account or do that with a trust account. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I did not want to do that. I mean, one of the reasons no. that I got out of the title right. business is I started losing sleep over holding hundreds of millions of pe dollars of people's money and all the wire fraud and cyber crime now, and it's just scary mm -hmm. out there. So that's why I'm with IPX 1031. We are a division of Fidelity National Financial. We are a Fortune 500 company. We have a $100 million Fidelity bond. We have a $30 million errors and emissions bond. So we are the largest qualified intermediary in the country. Absolute professionals. We, yep. are, the, we are the pros from Dover. And the other great thing about that too, I will, you're saying before, if anybody tells you they're the absolute ex expert runaway. <laughs> yes, run fast. <laughs> I do not pretend to know everything about 1031s, but I will tell you that I have access to the right. people who know mm -hmm. everything about 1031. So it's, it's not uncommon for someone to throw a scenario at me and I'll be like, I will check and get back to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But I have access to, to the literally the top 1031 minds in the country through IPX 1031. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm never afraid to say that to people. Like when I don't know, no. I will find out. But See, I'm humility. totally That's comfortable fine. saying I don't know. Uh -huh. I feel like so many people have this urge to just 
talk back and mm-hmm. pretend. Say something. And I'm like, no. I would so much rather do that than like say something wrong and look like an idiot right? later, mm-hmm. like get caught in a lie. Yeah, oh, so stupid. Especially when it comes to somebody's no. money. We all like to sleep well at night. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Is there, okay, is there anything else you feel like our listeners should know um, just in this overview of 1031s that you're giving us? Yeah, no, it's, it, it can be a really good strategy for a lot of people. Sorry, like, Siri is talking to us now. Siri had a question for me. Sorry, Siri. Um, <laughs> it can be a great strategy. Like you say, I think planning ahead is really important. And I do want to reiterate that it's not just about the taxes. I think we went through a lot of other right. reasons in terms of estate planning or diversification or cash flow or lifestyle changes. There's a lot of other scenarios where a 1031 can make a lot of sense. So I think it's broader. Like in some ways it feels narrow when people think I can't use it for this or this. Mm-hmm. But really when you think about it beyond just the tax reasons for exchanging, right. it's actually kind of broader than you might initially think. So if you have any any inkling that it might work for you, yeah, check, check your tax advisor and give me a call. Mm-hmm. We are going to post Nancy's contact information mm-hmm. for you so that yep. you can get a hold of her easily. And yep. that she, was awesome. That I was learned so two great. or three new I things. Mean, <laughs> so grateful that you, you were on the podcast with us, but so grateful to have you in town here. Yes. Um, but you're not just limited to town, to Jackson. So, you know, it, if you want to get in touch with Nancy, please, her info will be um, in this podcast and you can reach out to one of us for information as well. So thrilled that you could explain this to me. Now I understand. Now you understand. Now I understand. Excellent. Thank you guys for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming today. You bet. It was fun. And thanks everyone for listening in. Bye. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Kara here. Just wanted to say thanks for listening in. If you have any questions or comments on what was said, head to www.jhreport.com where you can find all of our contact info or if you love to read, you can head to that site and sift through our extensive luxury real estate report that verifies all the data recorded today and honestly, it's just a wealth of knowledge. Our podcast today was sponsored and produced by The Beaming Group, working with England Volkers in beautiful Jackson, Wyoming.